Hello there, welcome along to the Michael Castle Group podcast series. Luke Davis is my name and my special guest is Dean Bryant, the Associate Director of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, the musical, which returns to Australian stages from January 2018. Dean, thanks for your time. My pleasure. Now, we're going to focus today on a couple of things, including the casting process of musicals with a particular focus on Priscilla, but also the process of taking the show into different regions and different markets. But firstly, Dean, you're the Associate Director of the show. What exactly does that mean? Uh, Yeah, it's a funny title. An associate director, well, I can only really speak about it from what I've done Mm. over the last kind of decade or so. But when the show was first workshop back in 2006, I worked with Simon Phillips, the director, uh, on helping to structure what it could be. When we first started, we took basically the screenplay of the movie, uh, took the songs already in the movie and figured out theatrical versions of them. And then we started, you know, looking for suggestions of what the other music could be, where else the story could extend to. So I was part of the process with him of what can this show be? And then kind of was there for all the decisions about what should it look like? What should the costumes be? How should the bus work? Uh, All of that. So that took us through to Sydney opening the first time. And then my job became to look after the show for its two and a half year run in Australia. So I was on it every day keeping at what we opened with, um, checking back with the producers and Simon on what things weren't working as well because we, um, with Priscilla, we changed it all the way through Sydney and then we rechanged it, rechanged, great word there, <laughs> for Melbourne. Uh, and sort of, I kept an eye on that. But of course, there's a functional part of the job too, which was understudies, all of that, um, making sure the show could go on each night. Then the role changes to what's kind of more specifically an associate after that when you start moving internationally. So um, I was sent out to London uh, to do about two weeks of pre-auditions before Simon got there for the final week because in, in the West End, you know, we saw thousands oh, of people yeah. when we were putting it up there. And then a similar thing as we took it around the world over the next decade, I would go out there and either fully conduct the auditions uh, to the point now where I usually get sent out to rehearse the entire show in and open it myself, making sure that I'm passing on basically what Simon discovered over the course of that original production. How much freedom then do you have to adjust it and amend it? Directorially. Huge freedom, actually. Um, Simon very much trusts that myself and Andrew Hallsworth, the co-choreographer who travels with me the whole time, that we understand the bones and the spirit of the show. He's not into the kind of franchise idea of replicate exactly what happened opening night because that's the only way it can work. I think the looseness of Priscilla, I mean, it's about drag queens and drag queens are notorious for never doing anything the same way twice. (laughs) So it feels kind of crazy that you would enforce that on the musical. So Mm. what we did each country is... Uh, firstly, fit it on the performers we cast. We never kind of put them into what the original Australians did. We we went, well, what are you like? What's different about you? Mm. What's your energy? And, of course, then the um, adaptations of the script to go into foreign languages. There's just Australian idiom that, that doesn't exist Well, that, that, that's it. The show itself is so iconically Australian, isn't it? And it resonates in its own little way everywhere around Absolutely. the world. But it, in the other way, it's so Australian that the humour, does it translate everywhere? Uh, it does translate but it doesn't translate exactly as we'd expect it. So right. what you end up doing with the um, translators is you really rigorously break down what the joke means. And a lot of the time you're like, as an Australian going, 
oh, what is funny about this line? Hang on a minute. So you're like, okay, I now understand this is a double-meaning joke where one joke almost inevitably is about a bum. Like, almost <laughs> inevitably. And you're like... And then the, you can see the translators will roll their eyes and be like, are you serious? We have to find another slang word in our language for bum? I'm like, yeah, we do. We really need a lot more of those. <laughs> but even in English-speaking countries, I was lucky enough to go over a few years ago and see it on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And I'd seen it many times in Australia. I knew it back to front. And it was funny how the audiences laughed at different things that they may not have laughed as loudly in Australia, and then other times fell a bit flat. Oh, absolutely. But you also added in, you know, some Kylie Minogue-isms and yeah. crocodile hunterisms and that sort of things that, that the local audience resonates with. Yeah, we really... um. When we went to London and New York, we made sure that Australian references were like the mega Australian references, the <laughs> ones that you'd expect every person to get. So, yeah, sometimes it became a little um, <laughs> a little bit Olympics opening ceremony. <laughs> like, this joke is really obvious, get it. Yeah. But then, strangely, in New York, they'd often get the more sophisticated jokes that had gone for nothing in Australia. You're like, I mean, I know that comes as a shock that it has sophisticated <laughs> jokes, but there is a few in there. I was... Uh, well, you've been everywhere. You've travelled with the show, Australia, New Zealand, London, New York, Brazil, Italy, Korea. Have I missed anywhere? Uh, Sweden. Sweden. We just did South Africa. Um, it's still going in Spain. Amazing. Amazing. I was reading your director's diary of your time in Seoul, the very first time. You said that the casting in South Korea, where the musical scene may not have been as big as elsewhere in the world, was a little bit different. You were finding people from YouTube videos and, and just yeah. popular media. It's weird because actually it's the third biggest culture for musicals in the world now. It's after London and New York. It would have the most large-scale professional musicals on. So the market is huge, but the talent pool hasn't caught up with it yet because it's boomed in the last five to ten years so quickly. They haven't got the new generation of performance. So, of course, all the best ones go to whatever show gets there first. So in order to fill out your actual team of people and get the right people you need. You just have to scour um, drama schools. You have to look everywhere. And they have K-pop there, which everyone knows about. Mm. They also do this interesting thing in South Korea of triple casting the lead roles. Triple casting. Triple, not even double, triple. So you have your normal ensemble and then our three leads would all have three different actors who would just swap and all integrate with each other. Mm. So they didn't stay in three groups. Mm. They would just be on with each other. So, in the four-week rehearsal period, I had to get all of these. Four weeks? Oh, yeah. It was so That's crazy. That's a huge challenge for somebody in your position. I thought it wasn't going to work, actually, but the performers in South Korea are so respectful and cooperative that they know the system more than anything. So, they're ready to just jump straight in and swap in and out and just make sure that they stay on top of everything that they do. You talk about the Korean market being on the rise. Do you think there'll come a day where Australians, you know, we go to crack Broadway, we go to crack West End, do you think they'll be heading to Korea? Well, they are now. They are already? Australians go to Korea to build new shows there. Um, We we don't necessarily hear about them here, but there's a lot of Australians at any given point working in Korea. I mean, Cats takes Australian casts Mm. there every second year. Uh, If you speak to most Australian musical theatre performers, they've performed in South Korea at some point. So that's the casting in Korea. Let's start... In back in Australia, 2018, January, Priscilla is coming back. I'm so, so excited about it. And I was even more excited when I saw the casting of the the main three come out, or or what do you call them? You call them the trio of misfits. (laughs) Tony Sheldon, David Harris, and Ewan Deutsch. You honestly couldn't have casted any better. 
You start with Tony Sheldon. He was the original Bernadette, travelled with the show around Australia. He went to the West End, uh, Broadway, more than 1,750 times. He's played a, a Tony Award nominee, everything. In many regards, he, along with the bus, is the heart and soul of this show. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think we all think that Tony's skill and heart and charm turned a um, show that could have just been another run-of-the-mill movie adaptation, mm. which we've had less of in Australia, but it's really common on Broadway. Movies that just don't work on stage. No one seems to care. And I feel like Tony reshaped the way the entire musical could feel. He, um, Because he was grown up in showbiz he just reeks of that everything about him every move he makes feels like old school musical theater Mm. and so i feel like that skill level his natural heart his comedy timing obviously it's great if your lead is very very funny and his intelligence because tony's been a writer and director as well he was kind of like another author in the room that could say this is a better idea this one doesn't work trust me we don't want to go down this path Mm. so i feel like it's like we've got an authorial presence back in the show who also happens to be incredibly charismatic. How long has it been since he's played the role? Oh, it must be a couple of six years or up? seven years oh, that, now. That long? Yeah, he's been working in New York for that whole time. Isn't that great? And, and Priscilla really threw him onto Broadway. Oh, 100%. He, um, once he got there, you know, and it was a fight each time to allow him to get past the various unions in both London and New York. But once he got to New York and they saw what he was like, they obviously wanted him forever and he's always wanted to go there because, of course, he was born to be on Broadway. Absolutely. And it's so great to have him back for this Australian season. David Harris, it's funny, isn't it? He's got this wonderfully youthful face, but he's had a career of more than 20 years. He's into his 40s now. And while he have, he'll have no trouble slipping into the sequence, he, but he also exudes the the strength and the manliness and the hint of straightness, I suppose, that you need from Tick. Yeah, I mean, David's like a block of wood. He's he's um, <laughs> I mean, if anything, that was the one thing that made us hesitant for a while to go. Is David the right person? Because he's so masculine mm. and built and tall. There's just so much of David. Yeah, but also that's kind of wonderful because. Drag queens. I mean, if you've been down to Oxford Street, they're not like all pencil thin. Six mm. foot tours, they're like dumpy little funny ones and like people with short legs. And then, um, I mean, the whole point of being a drag queen is that you are taking the raw material you were born with and transforming it into femininity. And I think that will be wonderful to see someone as masculine as David, mm. just through attitude and a pair of heels, become the embodiment of female glamour. Can't wait. And you and Dorch, it's so great to see him get his, his big shot, I suppose. He yeah. was Marius and Les Mis. He did such a great job understanding Lola, giving plenty of opportunities as well in Kinky Boots. This is his opportunity, is the outrageous Felicia. Yeah, I don't think anyone is surprised at all that Ewan was cast. It feels like if you follow Ewan's Instagram, you you would be no doubt in no doubt that Ewan was going to get cast as Felicia in the role. <laughs> now, as I said at the beginning in this podcast, we're going to spend a bit of time on the casting process, which the average punter may not really understand or get an insight into. Someone like Tony Sheldon, he would have been invited, I assume. There would be no audition process? Yes, Tony was invited to join the production. And David and Ewan? They auditioned. They auditioned. Yeah, so David's was interesting because um, David's in New York. He's also, uh, like Tony, green-carded now, Mm. and he's been working there for a couple of years. So his auditions began video auditions, doing the same material as everyone that was coming into the room. And when it got to the point that we're like, 
we think it's probably David. We were very lucky in that Simon Phillips is doing Love Never Dies in New York at the moment. So we got them both in a room for the final stamp of approval. It's very, very difficult to trust, even when you know David's entire body of work, what they're going to be like on stage. Uh, And Ewan had already played the role, actually. Really? Yeah, we have a cruise ship version of Priscilla that's currently in the Mediterranean. (laughs) (laughs) It's like this crazy, it's in a 700-seat theatre on this ship that can can fit 4,000 passengers on it. We did it two years ago and it changes casts every six months. And Ewan went and played this role uh, for the second cast we ever did. So Mm. when he came in, he kind of had already been moulded into our version of it and we just had to kind of go, yep, this is where we're at for 2018. Are there any official rules in theatre, I suppose, in terms of of the casting or is it up to each production to do as they wish? Could you invite every single cast member as you please or do you have to go through a process? Well, you should go through a process Mm. for a couple of reasons. Um, One, there's always new people entering the industries like drama schools or just people that have decided to do it. Mm. So if you don't hold auditions, you're never going to find those people. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next thing is Fairness, of course, you want to give people an opportunity. Diversity is very important in casting now, and diverse people aren't going to be known about unless you have an audition process. Mm. And also, you just don't know till you see, no matter how much you think you know someone's work, until you seeing see them doing the material, you can't be 100% sure that they are the right fit for the specifics of this show. So mm. when we would do the choreography call for, um, for Priscilla, Andrew Halsworth could immediately look at them and go, oh, I love them as a dancer, but they're not a Priscilla dancer. Like, that's interesting. And someone else who you might not have even thought was a mover, you go, oh, oh, they've got the style. Oh, that's so interesting. So, yeah, it changes everything. But it is different, particularly for Priscilla. They have to be so versatile, don't they? Because they have to, you know, be in heels and sequence one moment and then the next moment they're a cupcake or they're a paintbrush. Absolutely. Or a bottle brush. They're all different shapes and sizes. It's it's a very, very... Well, the reason we often actually get um, our cast stay for a long time with the show because their plots are so versatile. Mm. In the opening number, they have to be quite masculine. Then they turn into, like, drag queens at a funeral and then 10 minutes later, they're like really bogany people in yes. an outback pub. Yeah. So to get that in an audition, you you need actor dancers, really. People that, of course, have the skills to dance, but people who can do character work through movement really quickly, which is tends to come from a different pile than, say, maybe people who'd ba- be backing dancers in a more kind of pop and lock music video musical. So for this Australian production, you've got a cast of, what, 25 or thereabouts? Yep. Have they been cast already? Everyone has been cast now. I think we're still filling a hole or two, but essentially we have an amazing cast. I'll just give you my business card here. (laughs) (laughs) What are you expecting to announce all of those? I don't know. I haven't checked with the producers probably the next week or so. Very, very exciting. Now, as far as auditionees, how many people overall auditioned? I think we had like 800 submissions. Wow. We didn't see that many because there wouldn't be time. So is that how it starts? So you put in, what, a written submission? Yes. And then people are invited to audition. Yeah. So I put out a brief, Mm. an audition brief, which uh, basically breaks down every single thing we're looking for. Then an agent uh, reads that and sees who might fit that. Mm. They submit their clients and CVs. And then our casting director, Lisa Campbell, goes through every CV to see if what they've got matches what we're looking for. So then they get invited to the dance calls or if they're a girl to the singing calls. So first. it's all via an agent. So if I, yes. you know, I'm, I'm a Joe Blow, I'm in non-professional theatre, I reckon I'm pretty good, I'd be perfect for, for Priscilla, mm-hmm. I find an agent and then the agent will will submit yeah. me or you for would, an audition. you would just, um, 
email the casting agent yourself and if they looked at what you had, if they saw, for example, if you were in amateur theatre and didn't have any pro credits but you sent in a photo saying that you were a, a kind of masculine guy who could dance that mm. was six foot, we would see you for sure because you'd go, that isn't, there's not a lot of that, <laughs> yeah. so it's worth testing. Sure. Where are the auditions held? Are they held just in one city or in various cities? Pretty much always, if it's a production that's touring mm. in Sydney and Melbourne. Mm. Um, I think sometimes for productions like Lion King, which has is, you know very, very much looking for diverse cast, yeah. they will go to every city just to make sure they've dredged the talent pool, but predominantly Sydney and Melbourne. And the onus is on then the performer to book their flights, pay for everything to get there? At the start, yeah. Mm. And if they get down to the finals, they'll be flown to the final city by the producers. Okay. So it can be quite an expensive exercise for people who probably aren't earning a whole lot of money. It can be. Mm. But if you're really serious about a career in music theatre, you'll have moved to Sydney or Melbourne anyway Mm. and you'll... It'll just be, you know, a tram ride. On the audition <laughs> on the audition day itself, the performers rock up. Am I right in saying that the first audition is traditionally a dance audition? Uh, it is for the boys and not for the girls. Really? Why is that? Because of the needs of Priscilla, uh, we need to know, because the men will be dancing so much, mm. and of course singing, what they tend to do is we put them into a group of 20. Mm. They do the first kind of 45 seconds of the opening number. Mm-hmm. Andrew and I look at their heights first. You, you just have to be 5'10 at the um, least to be able to make the costumes look good in right. some of the numbers. Okay. However, if you're under that and have some very specific skills, you will still continue to get through. The next thing the boys will have to do is sing a 60-second excerpt of one of the songs, which immediately shows us their range. Are they aware of what that is before they get yeah, there? Yeah, they've, they've everyone's been given that to prepare, okay. which kind of saves them time because they don't have to think about oh, what song should I show off? Everyone has to do the same thing, and then we can tell their range if they're going to be useful. Then the next set of rounds is about reading scenes uh, and getting tested for stuff in the show. The girls, however, they get a very, very hard vocal um, kind of 60-second thing, which shows their bottom and their top range straight away, and then they move to a dance call if they get through the singing call. What percentage, Mm -hmm. about, would get through a traditional day of auditions? Uh, from the first round to the second round, I would say 25%. Really? Yeah. And so you pretty much know by the end of the day whether you're in with a chance or whether you're, you're definitely not. Absolutely. You will, yeah. It, it doesn't get slimmed down that much from there. You'll probably go from 50 to the 24 over the course of the next couple of days. Amazing. Amazing. So overall, from start to finish, how long would the casting process be? Uh, about just over a week. Yeah, it's pretty. We, we've it's got pretty it down good. to a fine art. And another show would probably take two to three weeks, and we used to do that in New York and London. Mm. And now we've just realised we can tell. We can tell really quickly, so we we get it done in six days. So your your final cast will get a, a contract. Uh, now you know you're opening in Melbourne in in January next year. Mm-hmm. You probably have a fair idea of where you're going after that. Are the performers contracted for the whole season or just for certain cities? It. Depends on the show. For our show, this time, uh, it's a year contract, so everyone's contracted for the whole run around Australia. Let's say the show flops. Please don't. No, no, (laughs) but what happens then if you've got the year contract? Do they still get paid for that, or does it end? I don't believe so. Um, It's pretty rare in Australia, I have to say. Shows almost never close early. Mm. I worked on one that did, and that was a shock, but that was it when when that week was up. That was the end of the paycheck. But predominantly, they do play out their seasons. But if they stop, I mean, that's that's theatre. I'm convinced that it won't be a flop, so don't worry about that. <laughs> Australians just love it, and they'll love it again. It's one of those ones you can just see, 
over and over and it over is a, again. It is a bit of a still feast. funny. Yeah, it is. It's bizarrely funny. Like, I mean, I still laugh at it when I watch it. I'm shocked. Like, I still find it really funny. Do you know a little secret? Until about a month ago, I actually hadn't seen the movie. Wow. I'd seen the musical over and over again, and then I finally got around to seeing the movie. And I thought, this is a complete rip-off of the stage show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking with Dean Bryan, who's the Associate Director of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, the musical, which returns to Australia in early 2018. Dean, I've always wondered about scheduling. It must be a huge juggling act, not only for you as a production team, but as performers who need to plan their lives weeks, months, years in advance. You've got people at the moment performing in Kinky Boots, Beautiful, The Bodyguard, My Fair Lady, The Book of Mormon, whatever else. They're scattered around the country. How do you make sure you get the right people at the right time? Well, it is tricky. Uh, I I must admit, when we went into this audition process, I was really concerned because the list of shows you've just mentioned is has to be the most amount of shows that have been on in Australia at any given point. And I think we were very lucky in that Kinky Boots season was starting to wrap up as mm-hmm. we were starting to ramp up. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's a lot of crossover. I don't know how many have made it from that cast into us, but it's a couple. Sure. Um, so there was that. I mean, we're also, we're in our own country. So Andrew and I, and Lisa, the casting director, we know the talent pool. So you you can sort of just be keeping your feelers out for, has anyone accepted a contract that shouldn't because we really need them for ours? Mm. So you, you just kind of keep your fingers out knowing feelers. Finger sounds weird. We're not that sort of show. <laughs> um, to know where they are. But it, it's tricky. There's like people in probably each of those shows you just mentioned, they'll be like, oh, I wish we had them in Priscilla. They're so perfect. And the other way around, they're probably locked into these contracts oh, and other yeah. shows going, oh, Priscilla's coming There is back. a lot of sad gay chorus boys at the moment <laughs> that are like, why am I stuck with a little bit of luck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so terrific. But so, so true. Moving from, uh, I guess, the casting stage into the rehearsal stage. So you open in January. When would you start rehearsing? The week before Christmas. Okay. So you only have a bit, what, about a month? Just a month, yeah. We've got it down to four weeks rehearsal now. We just pound it out, basically. Oh, it's quite amazing, isn't it? I mean... It's exhausting. It's, um... It's pretty full on the, because there's something like, I mean, you'd think by now I would have counted, but it feels like there's like 18 production numbers in the show mm. and you just have to stage one in the morning, one in the afternoon and just keep going and going. It's, it's kind of, it is satisfying. It's a satisfying show to do. So that's why they're, that it doesn't wear out the cast as much as maybe some other shows. They enjoy doing mm. it, but um, it, it's a big ask. That's the cast. What about you? I mean, you've done it for, what, 11 years now. You yeah. were there back in 2006. You've done production after production over and over. You know it back to front. Mm. Is it like starting fresh for you? No, no, not at all. Um, I... It's kind of a dream job for me now because I don't have to research. I don't have to worry about any of my choices. Mm. I just take the kind of um, melting pot of the cast and build the machine on them. But still satisfying, I assume? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's. I love the songs and so does the audience. Mm. Like, that's one of the major reasons it's a hit. Um, it's so much my work as well as Simon's as well as the rest of the creative team. So, I'm still proud of... And remember days when, oh, remember when we made that decision to put that thing in? Or remember when that joke fixed that part of the show? Like, that's still part of it for me. How much has it evolved? You mentioned earlier that, you know, you've changed the opening number and Mm -hmm. some of the scenes are rewritten. 
how much has it changed over the years? It's changed significantly. It's funny because it still looks the same. And I feel like Australian audiences will come and go, oh, that's the show I love. But it will be something like 40 to 50% different in terms of dialogue. Really? Just We've just constantly refined it market by market. And always for the same kind of reasons, which is just to improve the show. Mm. Not not to please any particular people, not because anything's offensive, just to make it the most refined version. I mean, it's 20 minutes shorter than when we did it in Australia. Really? We just kind of worked out you can get from beat to beat quicker. Mm. Numbers didn't need to be as long. We want to put this thing in, so we need to get rid of that thing, that kind of stuff. And, and, and language changes and culture changes. And and jokes come well, in. The jokes and... come in, that's right. That's the wonderful thing about it. It's highly relevant. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It feels more relevant this year than it did when we first did it, mm. which is crazy. I mean, the movie is from 1994, and right. this year it's like the topic. The it's hot incredible, topic. isn't it? Ahead yeah. of its time. Ahead, oh, yeah, it was very groundbreaking theatre. <laughs> so we're back in Australia in January 2018. After that, what's the future for Priscilla? I don't really know. I think it gets released to the amateur market, so there'll be a lot of well, cardboard buses. Yes. <laughs> I don't think there'll be diva flying anymore. It'll um, be girls on ladders. Oh, you never know. You never know. You never know. Um, it'd be really fascinating, actually, as you probably know. I do a lot of scaled-down shows for the Hayes Theatre, mm. so I've taken shows like Sweet Charity, Sweet Charity yeah. Little Shop of Horrors, and made them small and boutique, and someone will do that to Priscilla in five or ten years, and that'll be really fascinating to see what, what you do when you reduce the essence of that show what, to... just a three-wheel bike or something? <laughs> yeah, it'll be a tricycle. <laughs> <laughs> of course it will. Well, I honestly can't wait to see this back up on the Australian stage. For all our listeners, if you haven't seen Priscilla yet, book your tickets. And if you've already seen it, book your tickets as well. Anyone who's seen it will know they want to come back. It's an amazing spectacle. So, so funny. You'll just love it. It opens in Melbourne on the 21st of January 2018 at the Regent Theatre and tickets are on sale now via priscillathemusical.com.au. Dean Bright is the Associate Director of the show. Dean, good luck with it all and thanks for your time. Thank you very much. And thanks to everyone for listening. I'm Luke Davis and we'll speak with you soon on the next Michael Castle Group podcast. <laughs>